0: And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church.
1: I'm going to ask you to join me in the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 7. Read a couple of verses here. And um, I won't read or say anything tonight, perhaps, that hasn't already been read or said but I believe that the Spirit of God can and will touch us. I believe there's something very, very fresh, very raw in the Holy Ghost. Praise God. Amen. I believe the Lord wants to underline something in our heart. First Samuel chapter 7 and verse number 1. And the men of Kirjath jerom came and fetched up the altar of the Lord. And brought it into the house of Abinadab in the hill. And sanctified Eleazar his son to keep the ark of the Lord. And it came to pass while the ark abode in encourages Jearim, That the time was long. For it was 20 years. And all the house of Israel lamented after the Lord. Amen. I'm just going to use these two verses tonight to help launch perhaps a thought in our heart. I want to speak for just a few moments about a couple of things or a few things that serve as prerequisites to renewal. We all pray for renewal and refreshing in our heart and our life. And I think sometimes we want the Lord to just come in and pour something on us. but there's some things that are required of us. amen, For instance, the Bible does say that we can that we can tell the devil to get behind us. Amen. But before that, we have to submit ourselves to the Lord. So there's some things that follow or there's some things that, uh, that come before and serve as prerequisites. And so I ask the Lord to just touch us. I know you've been standing for a long time. You can be seated. But thank you for just tapping in to the presence of the Lord that began to move in this house about 45 or 50 minutes ago. What a great opportunity we've had to stand in the presence of God. History shows that people have always, people in general, have always had a tendency to drift back and forth in their relationship with God. I understand that some people completely fall out with the Lord. In other words, they backslide and get away from the moorings that have held them sure and true. But there's also a reality of just drifting back and forth in our relationship with God, not when we're necessarily involving ourselves in simple lifestyles, but we're just hot and cold. There's always been times of spiritual decline and times of spiritual renewal. So here in this particular passage of scripture, we have a snapshot of people who drifted far from the Lord but they wanted to come back, but they don't come back right away And that seems to be the anomaly of this story. But the Lord teaches them that there is a right way to approach him. There is a right way to return. And so this passage of scripture, I believe, traces or outlines for us perhaps one of the bleakest times in Israel's spiritual history. There's always been sure signs that things aren't well in our own heart. Now, we're not going to take a poll tonight. I'm not going to ask anybody to raise their hand. But I believe that we have all can can agree that there have been times that we didn't feel uh, that we were had walked away from the Lord, but we just felt there was just too much distance between us and the Lord. The world didn't hold an allure. There was nothing that was really tempting us on the other side, so to speak, but there was just too great of a chasm between us and the Lord. I believe that these signs haven't changed with the passing of centuries or the passing of time. In the case of Israel here, and often in our own lives, the worship had become corrupt or immoral. And to use those words kind of disconnects people because we don't like to think of ourselves as corrupt or immoral. People saw no connection between how they expressed their praise in the sanctuary And how they live the rest of their lives outside of the sanctuary. So we can see that relevant in the day that we're living in today. It's one thing to lift our voices and praise him while we are together collectively in this literal sanctuary. But it is something else to make up our mind that I'm not just going to praise you with my lips. But I'm going to live this. I'm going to be this at 2 o'clock in the morning. I'm going to be this. Tomorrow afternoon, it doesn't matter where you find me, I'm going to be this on vacation. I'm going to be this wherever I am. This is who I am. And so they saw no connection between uh, their expressions of praise when they were in a formal time of worship and when they were away. Even the priesthood, according to 1 Samuel 2 had corrupted the worship of the Lord and so it wasn't just something going on in the pews but there was something going on in the pulpit as well if I could put it in our terminology. First Samuel 3 says, and the word of the Lord was precious in those days. It says this introducing us to young Samuel. There was no open vision or the visions or the moving in the presence of the Lord was not a frequent thing but very infrequently the power and the presence of the Lord would move and so it's frightening how that we as humanity can keep some of the trappings of our religion going on after the presence of the Lord has departed. And so here is many times I've mentioned Samson who, who knew not that the Lord had departed from him. How frightening to think that he would not know that the Spirit of God had departed from him. And so if it could happen to Samson, if it could happen to others, then it can certainly happen to us. Eli, the priest in the house of God, it allowed the the light to go out, the lamp to go out in the very house of God And, and how the spirit of the Lord began to move, the voice of God began to speak in the life of young Samuel and it took Eli three turns at bat to even figure out that it was God that was speaking in the temple. Long after the presence has departed, the trappings of religion kept going on also notice the connection between these two points, that their worship was being corrupt and the word of God was not being heard. Worship being corrupt, I, I, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but, but I believe that worship is about relationship. Anybody can say amen. Uh, I mean, the, the drunkest sinner on the planet can say praise the Lord and mean it but that praise is not worship. Worship is is something that is an, an outgrowth of relationship and we have to have a relationship with the Lord, but the worship was corrupt or not on track and the word was not being heard and you can just write this down. When the word of God in its purest form is not being preached and not being taught and not being lived, worship cannot stay on track. We need the word of the Lord. We need the word of God. I grew up hearing uh, many, many ministers uh, were introduced as they were introduced to come to the pulpit, the platform to, to minister the word of the Lord. No matter what had happened up to that moment, many times you would hear people say, and now for the most important part of this service. That wasn't to to blow off anybody that was there as a musician or a singer or anything that had taken place before that. But there was an acknowledgement that no, that as wonderful as all of this has been, nothing can take the place of about of, of, of what's about to happen here. 1 Samuel 7, 1 and 2 talks about the tabernacle being dismantled and the ark taken from its proper place. And, and it came to pass, the Bible says, that while the ark abode, in Cages Durham, that the time was long, 20 years. The scripture underlines this moment in time, two decades, and the house of Israel had lamented after the Lord. Now, it's not only shocking to think that people can ignore the principles of God's authority in their, in their worship, it's, it's shocking enough to think that, but to think that somebody could do that for two decades. That we could just go on and just play church and we could just lament after the Lord and, and cry after him but not really do anything to make it possible to make God or allow God to come back in our lives. When true worship declines, I can tell you that we have set the stage for idolatry to flourish. Again, idolatry in, in the 21st century is not a word that, that we kind of, Connect to our lives. We think of idolatry. We think of an, a literal idol. We think of uh, perhaps a statue or a monument of some sort. But there are many things that can become idols in our life. True worship requires true relationship. Amen. And so there had in this passage there have been a drift in their relationship, and because of that there had been a drift in their worship. In Second or First Samuel seven and three. We've read the first two verses, but in verse three, the Bible says, and Samuel spake unto all the house of Israel, saying, if you do return unto the Lord with all your heart, then put away the strange gods of As- and Asheroth from among you and prepare your hearts unto the Lord and serve him only. He will deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines. And so here, is the pre- here are the prerequisites that, that God has set in motion through the voice of Samuel. He said, you're going to have to return to the Lord with all your heart. You're going to have to give him everything you have. We can't try to fit God around our life. we got to fit our lives around God. And so you got to return to him. And then he said, you've got to put away the strange gods uh, and Asheroth from among you and prepare your heart for unto the Lord, serve him only. And when you do this, he will deliver you out of the hands of the Philistines. Because true worship is, brings everything into focus. Amen. We've come to the house of the Lord just like tonight and felt his spirit move mightily powerfully in an unrestricted fashion. And there's something about that spirit an atmosphere that just seems to reprioritize our lives. Note these two important phrases in this verse, and that is return and put away. You can't have one without the other. You can't Continue to pull in without getting rid of some things. Amen. Often when true worship is in decline, people automatically, automatically become victims of fallen passions and things that were in their past all of a sudden begin to creep back up. Spiritual powers beyond their control begin to nib away at their life and heart. I want to have the spirit of true worship that is born and built upon the foundation of a true relationship. You see, man doesn't live long on empty. Man is going to be filled with something. You've heard it said dozens of times in dozens of different ways, but man was, built, was born, designed, created to worship. And man is going to worship something. We're here tonight in this house worshiping Jehovah. Amen, we're worshiping God. But I'm gonna tell you that there are people that are worshiping sports. There are people that are worshiping all, there are people in bar rooms, there are people that are worship rock stars and, and on and on and on the list could go because man has this design in his heart to worship something. And man is not going to live long On empty, And so it's dangerous not to be a person of scriptural worship. It's dangerous not to be a person of frequent worship. I don't want to just worship every now and then when the service gets hot enough. I want to enter in with praise. I want to enter in with thanksgiving. I want to be a worshiper because he is worthy. It's a scriptural principle that you're not going to change just because you ignore it. And that's what we see in this passage. The Ark of the Covenant is gone. The tabernacle has been dismantled. And the word of God has been forgotten. And so when God is ignored, people fall in love with something else. If you, you, What you feed, that's what's going to grow. Whatever you feed, that's what's going to be nourished in your life and grow. And in time, for them, God is not even missed. And there are some people tonight, you may know some people, that seemingly don't even miss the Lord. Because of misplaced priorities, God is not on their radar. It will take some bad news report. It will take something to shake them and to wake them. I don't want to be strong-armed into serving God. I want to be here because I love him and I am in love with him. Hallelujah. <laughs> First Samuel 7 and 2 said that they had been lamenting, crying, bemoaning for 20 years. Now, if that wasn't recorded in scripture, that'd be a little bit hard to believe, wouldn't it? Imagine what happened in this passage. The people have been sensing that something is wrong for 20 years. They've been sensing that something was wrong. They sense a lack of power over their enemies. They are beginning to resent the domination that's in their lives by the hand of their enemy, the Philistines. They know that God never meant it to end this way, but somehow... They know it in their heart in a very shallow sense but they're not willing to get to the core and the root of the matter. They start to feel the weight of their sin in their heart and their lives and they know that God must have something better in store for them so they do what we all do. They started to pray. They started to call upon his name but the problem is is that they've done this for years. The Bible talks in Judges too about how that people wept when they remembered. They they cried, but their cry their tears were just surface tears because they didn't continue on in the ways of God. I mean God had, had gripped their heart and got a hold of them and, and brought renewal and restoration to them but if you keep reading in that very same chapter there arose a generation that didn't know God or the things that God had done for Israel and so their repentance was shallow I don't want to get ready because it's Wednesday I don't want to get just try to get right with God because it's Wednesday night or because it's a Sunday or because it's this or that I want to get ready and be ready and stay ready because I love him I love him Amen. you see People come to this point many times throughout their life, they get frustrated over some... Some, thing, some things or something in their life or they get shocked by some horrific announcement that life brings their way or they feel guilty because they know they're not praying like they should or reading the word of the Lord like they should and therefore old temptations begin to creep back in their lives little by little just like Israel lamenting over the Lord oh I wish that things were different I'm going to tell you there's a lot of things in life you can't wish into existence you got to get up and do something about it You can't wish for many things in life. You have to rise up and say I'm going to put my hand to the plow and I'm going to do something about that that I want to see come about in my life. And so if you want to be more spiritual, it's not just going to happen. You're not just going to morph into something more spiritual. We're going to need the hand of God to help us have the strength to rise and initiate something in our own life to no avail. Because they left out, they felt this, but to no avail, because they left out two important steps. Samuel doesn't do anything all that special, really, in his instructions. He says they need to do two things. He said you need to put away your idols. If you're serious about following the Lord, then here's a place to prove it. You got to put him first, him number one. Nothing comes between the Lord and I. Nothing comes between the house of the Lord and I. I'm gonna prove it. I'm gonna lay it on the line. Everything is in the hand of God. If we wanna have God, then we've gotta have God on his terms and not on ours. I can't write it out, turn the paper around and expect God to sign it. I have got to sign my name to his contract. God will receive no worship from a divided heart. I'm gonna tell you, I've gotta give God my everything. I can't just be here tonight trying to think about what I'm gonna do at nine o'clock or 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock. Purity of the heart. Purity of the heart doesn't mean just a moral purity. It means that a heart that's undiluted by other things. I'm not suggesting tonight that we are immoral, but I would suggest tonight that it's very easy for most of us to be deluded. Many things bidding for our attention. Even while we've been in church tonight, even while we've been in the powerful presence and the atmosphere of God's presence here tonight, our minds and our hearts can be deluded because we're divided about other things that are pressing in our mind and our heart. But the people of just of Israel, just like us today, were deluded. They had heard words like this, love the Lord with all thy heart with all thy soul and with all thy might they had heard they would grown up just like us hearing thou shalt thou shalt have no other gods before me we know this in our heart and yet we're guilty of putting things between us and God so here's the truth they had forgotten just like we that if we don't love God like that our hearts are going to become crowded with other things it's just amazing It's just amazing how you can just not tend to things for just a little while, just a short little period of time, and weeds start growing up. Things you didn't plant, things you didn't want, things you didn't ask for, they just start cropping up and creeping in. Amen, God help us to put to death those things. Amen, that's the truth they had forgotten. If we're gonna have a fresh coming to God, If we're going to have a fresh infilling, then there has to be a fresh and intentional outpouring. We've all lived long enough to know this. You can't keep buying clothes and hanging them in the same closet unless you start taking something out of that same closet. I didn't mean to get all up in your business there, but it's the truth. After a while, we're Trying to make just room for one more, one more shirt, one more, one more parasite, one more, just one more tie, just one more thing. But after a while, you got to empty things out if it's all going to be right. And that was a truth that they had forgotten. And that's why they just went on and on and on lamenting about the Lord. All of those years to no avail. I wish it were different. I sure wish it would change. But you see, the Lord was saying, if you want change, then you've got to initiate that change. That's why there's so many hearts that are temporarily stirred today, just momentarily moved. But God doesn't just come to anybody. We've got to make room for him. I want to make room for him. And that's the first thing Samuel tells the people. And then secondly, he said they need to return to the Lord not only in worship, but in service. Shallow spirituality would rather worship than serve any day. Just let me worship the Lord a little bit. I don't know about this serving business because this serving business can eat into your pocketbook. The serving business can eat into your calendar. The serving business can eat into your into your own life and all Amen, shallow spirituality would say I'll serve the Lord, I'll I'll worship the Lord rather, but I, I don't know about this serving. Amen, not that worshiping isn't right because it is and not that worshiping isn't important because it is, but worship is meant to be the beginning of my life poured out to the Lord, not the end process of it all. Worship is a beautiful thing. I'm going to tell you, there's something powerful when God's people begin to worship him. There, is, there can be more things born and happen in a season of worship than we can ever measure with our own mind or see in our eyes. But if you think that all God wants is our worship, we're wrong. For one thing, God wants purity with our worship. Lucifer was a worshiper but he, has, but he had pride he was a proud worshiper and so he worshipped with an impure heart and so it's not just enough to be a worshiper we've got to worship with a pure heart and a pure motive and God will not tolerate impure worship and he was cast out Not only must our worship be pure, but it needs to come from a servant's heart. You you, you just can't miss how important service is to all of this. In Samuel's words to the the people in the last part of of verse 3, service prepares the heart for the entry of God's presence and his power and his authority to flow in our lives. There is such a difference between wanting something and preparing for it. You can want a lot of things, but you gotta be prepared. You gotta be prepared for it. There are people that want a better marriage or better relationship, but they don't do anything to prepare for it. There are people that want their children to walk closer to God, but they themselves don't walk closer to God. They themselves are not faithful to the house of God. Amen. There are people that want a closer walk with the Lord, and if the closer walk with God was a pill that you could take three times a day, it would already be swallowed. But that's not how it works. we got to prepare. we got to make room. Amen. That's what Samuel was working with here. He's trying to get them to understand That if you recognize there's something wrong with your spiritual state, then you need to quit crying about this, lamenting over this, and make some good, solid decisions. You've got to turn some things around. Serving God prepares the heart to know the Lord in a better way. Serving God gets us ready, ready for the Lord. And there's a second idea under this point about serving God because when we begin to serve God, that breaks the very back of the enemy because the scripture says in the latter portion of verse number three, he said, he will deliver you from the hand of the Philistines. If you will do this, he will deliver you from the hands of the Philistines. This all happened when they began to serve the Lord. Now, I think there's a treasure of truth here for those that will have the courage tonight to embrace this. Because we can't just come to church and raise our hands. We've got to be in the highways and the hedges compelling people to come to church with us. Not look what the tra- not, not just us rejoice about the treasure we have found. But we need to be leading others to that fountain and to that treasure. And remember the commitments that we make when we walk back out the door. Because service breaks the back of the enemy. Until you serve, you're vulnerable. Until you serve, you're not really whole. Samuel united the people into a solid response, one voice. The Bible says in verse number six, and they gathered together to Mizpah and drew water and poured it out before the Lord. Now, this is a very important and very significant passage of Scripture. The Bible says that they drew water and they poured it out before the Lord and they fasted on that day and said we have sinned against the Lord and Samuel judged the children of Israel in Mizpah. Now, there's something powerful about God's people being united, especially this kind of meeting. And so when we read this in verse number three, they were lamenting about the power of God not being in their presence. They hated the the, if I may just say, painful experience they were having under the hands of the Philistines. And for all of these reasons, they cried out to God for years, but there's something new in verse number six. Under the direction of Samuel, they start to look at the cause of all their misery. They start to look at the why. They start to call the trouble in their lives sin. They start to recognize it for what it is. They're not weeping because they're suffering, but they're weeping because of their their guilt. And In verse number six, the Bible says, then the people poured out water on the ground before the Lord or unto the Lord. And this passage has left a lot of people and even a lot of scholars scratching their head because there's only one other place in in scripture where there is a reference to that or a similar reference and that's in 2 Samuel chapter 14. The scripture here says of, of a lady that just said this, for we must needs die and are as water spilt on the ground which cannot be gathered up again. There's the point. It cannot be gathered up again. It's something that cannot be taken back. And so when they stood and they took water, they drew water from the well and they poured the water out on the ground, it was very significant because it was symbolic that we're giving God something that we can't get back. I'm going to give God something that's not just a trophy I'm sitting on a shelf. I can change my mind Tuesday and and I can bring it back into my possession. Amen. We all must needs die, she said, because we are as water spilt on the ground that cannot be taken back again. Now this little ceremony was far more than just a few antics. They were saying, God, we're going to give you something that we can't get back. I wonder tonight if we could really just say to the Lord, I want to pour my life out. I want to be Poured out something that can't be gathered back again. I'm making a commitment. There is no rear view mirror. There is no turning around. I'm living my life pointed in the same direction. Amen. It, they weren't talking about change, they were making change. Water poured out. I'm going to ask our musicians if they will to come and I'll turn your attention to verse number 12. The Bible says, Then Samuel took a stone. And set it between Mizba and Shin. And called the name of it Ebenezer. Saying, hitherto hath the Lord helped us. Ebenezer means stone of help. Stone of help. Samuel took a stone. How prone we are to make big plans when we're in a tight spot. A lot of promises have been made in hospital rooms. A lot of promises. And then forget about them as soon as things kind of calm down. We get out of the moment. And Samuel was not ignorant to that. He knows how people think. And so Samuel builds an altar. And he doesn't build an altar out of wood that will one day rot away. He doesn't build an altar out of some parchment that will one day blow away. But Samuel says, we're going to build an altar out of stone because it's going to be a forever reminder of this poured out water. It's going to be a forever reminder of what we've done here today. I mean, all the promises of the Lord didn't just flow from there. All the promises that they made to the Lord didn't just flow out and then become vaporized. Samuel says, we're going to put this in the form of a rock. And it's going to be a reminder. I wonder what would happen if that were to happen with us. The commitments we made in a service tonight or in other times, if they they weren't just words that somehow get lost in the motion of time, but they're permanent markers that we're reminded of again and again. It was to remind them of all they had promised to the Lord, but it was also to remind them of God's presence and power as they work to remain true to him. And you see, God is not going to let us make commitments to him and then just back away. He's going to stand there with us and help us walk that and live that. I'm going to ask you to stand. All through the scriptures, we can find people by the scores that look back on God's goodness and they look back with a true spirit of thankfulness. They look forward with tremendous anticipation of what God had promised that he would do in his life amen and when we look forward that's called hope faith the substance of things hoped for evidence of things not seen that word that we speak and that has been spoken to us and we hold on to that in hope because we're looking in the right direction we're looking forward and not behind us One thing is certain, it's not God that, as I mentioned a moment ago, sometimes we feel that we're cold in the Lord, I guess the opposite of that, we would be hot, cold and hot, it's not God that gets cold and gets hot, God is the same yesterday, today and forever, and so if there's been any cooling off, it's you and I. If there's a distance that's been created, it's not God that walked away from us or distanced himself from us. It's we that have distanced ourselves from God. Amen. And so just as sure as the rock of Ebenezer was sure and steadfast, David said the man who learned to honor the Lord daily, this is what David said, his leaves shall not wither and whatsoever he does prospers. That's the man, the woman that says, I'm in. I'm in. You could just count me in. Amen. (laughs) I heard a man years ago say something I thought was well worth noting. He was talking about a movement he was a part of, and he just looked at his grandson one day and he said, I'm just going to tell you, if it gets down to 100, it's going to be me and 99 more. Because I'm not going anywhere. I'm in. I'm in. True. True. I want to say, Lord, I am in. I am in. Amen. Lord, I love you today.
0: This message has been brought to you today by the Media Ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church.